0: Hi, it's Michael Sunoff with Michael Sunoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. The title of this interview is called Legendary Nutrition Expert Dr. Gary Knoll Explains the Truth About Why Americans Are Uncomfortable Being Healthy. During a spur-of-the-moment speech in Arizona, Gary Knoll asked the audience if anyone was into peace and making the world a better place. Of course, everyone raised their hand until he asked how many had ever volunteered at a shelter. Then, no one responded. According to Gary, it's that kind of mentality that's ailing the United States as a whole. We'd love to have homeless people helped, but we're uncomfortable going out and doing it. We'd love to experience the good effects of not smoking or exercising, but we're uncomfortable changing our habits. And believe it or not, it's actually the authority figures in the United States that are causing this problem. But fortunately, there are steps we can take to regain control over it, and in this audio interview, you'll hear all about them. You'll also learn what Gary's living food approach to health is and how to achieve it. The honest, no noble truth about what leads Americans to make bad lifestyle choices day after day and how to get out of the rut. Five simple ways to improve the quality of your life starting today. The truth about the increase in autism. You'll learn how clinical studies are altered so pharmaceutical companies can claim that their drugs are safe. You'll learn how pharmaceutical companies really make their money. You'll learn the problems with the pink ribbon campaign and breast cancer awareness. And you'll learn two simple steps to take starting today that will make you healthier. According to Gary, being healthy is simple. The only hard part is getting over the discomfort of change. But even that's easier than you think if you give it a chance and in this audio interview, you'll hear how to get started.
1: Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best health-related interviews. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health issues, send them over to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Gary, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, you have just an amazing website, GaryNull.com. You have food store, products, incredible amounts of information. And where does this passion for health that you so obviously have come from?
2: When I was growing up in a small... West Virginia called Parkersburg, I noticed that no one ever got healthier the older they got. And even as a teenager, I knew that when people were in their 30s, they didn't exercise and they started getting the pot bellies. And by their 40s, they had the widespread. And by 50s, they had diabetes and high blood pressure and cancer and arthritis. And by 60s, if they lived into their 60s, they were considered to have lived a good life. And it always bothered me that there was no one who believed that they could get younger or healthier. It was an inevitable, fatalistic view of life, not in a negative sense. They just said, well, look, Gary, you know, you're supposed to go through these phases of life, these stages of life. And by the time you're 40, 40 until death, it's all downhill and you just try to make the best you can of it. And that was the common belief in a large family. On my mother and father's side, they had like five sisters and three brothers. So it was a big family on just one side. And so when I ask all these people, none of them were interested in stopping smoking, stopping social drinking, stopping the coffee, which is four or five, six times a day, eating a heavy meat and mashed potatoes with gravy and muffins, which were just white bread and butter, and drinking Kool-Aid. There was no such thing as fresh fruits in the wintertime. And a salad was iceberg lettuce with a tasteless tomato and some kind of heavy salad dressing on it. And everybody overate. In fact, the idea was you couldn't leave anything on your plate. Well, okay, then put less on the plate to begin with. Oh, no, no. To show that you were a middle-class family, you had to be able to put a lot of food on your plate. That was part of that whole middle-class mystique. So when I came to New York, I just saw a different type of people. I saw a lot of artists and actors and writers who were much more progressive, much more independent in their thinking. They weren't following the dogma. And that's where I developed this idea that what if we could do it differently, and it was from that that I managed to get a position at the Institute of Applied Biology, a very famous lab where they did mainly cancer research and drug addiction research in an orthodox way. But the niece of the director of the lab was a friend of mine, and they had a third floor that nobody wanted to use because it was just stuffed with all this old broken equipment. So they let me use it. No one ever went up there, and I cleaned it out, and I had about 3,000 square feet, and I painted it, and then I started doing some studies, and through those studies, I was able to see that what you ate, how much you ate, would ultimately impact upon the lifestyle. And I started with rats, and then after several years and my work becoming acceptable, I then was moved over to Trafalgar Hospital, where I could work with many of the patients in their diets, and that's where I formulated the living food approach to life, the vitalism, that everything you take into your mind, your body should have a vital energy a healing energy, an energy that touches us, resonates with us, something that excites us. And therefore, I live my life accordingly. And my books, articles, television, documentaries all come from that sense of vitalism. Okay, well, I don't see being overweight as being our most serious problem. It is certainly serious. But why we become overweight, what makes us at some point make a bad choice and then repeat that day in and day out? It's generally due to stress, inappropriate responses to stress. Also, feeling so frustrated by what we can't control in our life that we sublimate. Now, some people drink, take drugs, marijuana, prescription medications, Paxil, Effexor, Valium. Others will gamble even if they don't have the money. In fact, I was recently doing a television PBS program in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and when you come into this small town, you come down this hill, and the very first thing you see is this big old steel mill, and it's no longer a steel mill. It's a Sands gambling casino. And so I said to the person, why in the world would anybody want to go in there? First, it was just terribly ugly. And secondly, they don't have the money. Of course, people don't have money try to think, well, how can I get out of not having money? I'll gamble. I'll win it. And they don't. And so look at all the ways that we sublimate. Now, a reasonable person would not find the vast majority of things on television or radio interesting. Most of radio is redundant. You hear the same thing from the same person said in the same way almost every day. And most of it is about anger and blaming someone else for why we are the way we are. For example, you'll have people on the right blaming everyone on the left. All you have to do is listen for five minutes to anything that's out there. And it's, well, those damn liberals and those, you know, progressives and those socialists. And they're our problem. And then you listen on the left, and it's those teabag racist idiots And so neither are right. But what kind of mind would waste its life and time allowing someone else's biased and prejudiced and limited opinions to fill that mind? And then you have people watching television. And what do most people watch on television? They watch programs that are trivia. And so we've become a whole society that has commodified our life. The commodities we put in our life are trivialized, they are commercialized, and they're like wonder bread for the brain. So when I realize that we are acting out and we're not living an authentic life, well, if you're not living an authentic life, you're not going to be happy. If you're not happy, how in the world can you be healthy? It is not possible to be healthy if you're not happy. Happiness is the foundation upon which health is built. So we put all of our energy into looking for the right vitamin, goji, that's it, mangosteen, oh my goodness, you know, I got to get my colonic, yes, with wheatgrass, ooh, ooh, ooh. So we spent all this money going off to these places. I was recently doing my meditation, and I go for about a week. I meditate, I don't eat, I just drink water, I fast, I do it alone, generally up in the mountains, somewhere out west, might be in Colorado, might be in Wyoming, might be in Montana. This year it was in Arizona, up past Flagstaff, and when you're up past Flagstaff, Flagstaff, I think it's around 9,000 feet in the mountain areas there, 7,000 below it. I went to the highest mountain and meditated on my way back. I stopped off in Sedona. Well, there's just a perfect example. Beautiful red rocks. Only place in America I've ever seen those. Wonderful, relatively small mountains, but rock features that are just these wonderful colors of red. And it's not a large area. I mean, you can drive from one end to the other of this whole rock formation in 20 minutes. About 13,000 people live there, but it's overdeveloped, and it reminds you of like a tacky outpost, and where everything is come and get authentic Indian. Well, there's nothing authentic, and most of that stuff is just cheap chops And In any case, I stopped into a restaurant, and I was having myself a salad, and all these people came over, and, oh, you're Gary No. why don't you do a lecture for us? And so I decided I would stay one extra night there, and I did a lecture, and the place was filled with people, and I said, how many of you are into health? All these hands went up. How many people are into life and love? Hands went up. Peace and nonviolence? Hand went up. Giving and sharing? Hands went up. Helping make the world a better place? Hands went up. I noticed there were a lot of homeless vets living in tents up by the mountains here, how many of you gone out to help one of these vets, maybe buy them some toiletries or take them food or take them into a hospital where they could get treated for some of their conditions? No hands went up. How many of you gone to the battered women's shelter to help some battered women? No hands went up. How many of you become a big brother, big sister, some orphan kids that could certainly use a nice, loving, guiding adult in their life? No hands went up. How many of you gone out on the streets here to find the homeless and to feed them at night? No hands went up. Well, let me see then. You're really into this image of yourself in a beautiful environment, so the image and the environment create a fantasy. I live in the real world. I feed hungry people each night. I go in and find homeless vets and get them meds and get them tents and what they need. What lesson can we learn from this? Well, we learn the lesson that a lot of people in this country live through the myth of their stories. Their life is a myth, but it's a myth that they've mastered telling the story of so many times they believe it what they can't do and what they do believe and very rigidified and not realizing that when you have a conversation, most people are not listening to you. It's their belief system that they're talking through, and that's the problem. We get all these myths. In any case, you have to get by the myths to the actual person, and more often than not, that means you have to go through all this conditioning, all these subconscious tapes that they play millions of times. Want to do something? No, I don't want to do it. Want to try this? No, I don't want to do that. Want to give up this bad habit? I want the results of giving it up, but I don't want to do that. And then one day, you go out in the streets and you look around, you stand there and you see all these people coming by who are overweight. And you see people eating and drinking and smoking and you see people having all these unhealthy items in their body. And then you see people, if you went at home and took the roof off their house, you see all these people watching mind-numbingly stupid Television and most of what they watch is not just counterintuitive, but it's countercreative. You watch people like the Real Housewives. Boy, they're real false breasts, false lips, false ass, false everything, false brain. These people are mindless idiots. But boy, let's watch them. Why do we watch them? So we can see them throw temper tantrums and tip over tables, throw alcohol in someone's face and pull their hair and scream and then act like terrible human beings. What exactly are we doing this for? I don't blame the people who are exhibitionists and insecure and trying to hustle anything they can. I question why anybody would make them famous by giving them credit they don't deserve. So then when you start looking at we give bankers the money who are the same bankers who gambled and didn't give us the benefits of the profit but wanted us to pay for their expenses, wanted us to pay for their losses. So when a person loses money in a bank, we pay for it. And when they make a profit, will they keep it. Wonderful system. And then when it comes time to bail out the people, we bail out the people who cause the problem, and we don't bail out the people who solve the problem. But unlike France and Italy and Spain and Ireland and England, where they'll go to the streets and protest, we don't protest. We don't feel good protesting. It makes us feel uncomfortable like exercise makes us feel uncomfortable, giving up bad habits, uncomfortable. We vote Republican, thinking we're going to be voting for smaller government, and they gave us the biggest government in history. We vote Democrat, thinking we're voting for saving jobs, and under Clinton, they gave us the Glass-Steagwack, taking it away, which allowed all this casino capitalism to exist. Both are corporate elite. Neither one will help us, and so we're frustrated. We're angry. And when we're frustrated and angry with not living an authentic life and having all of our major institutions betray us, we will make unhealthy choices. The very choice that we should make is one that is positive, constructive, that gives us an outcome we want, and we will make a choice that will give us more pain. Now our choice gives us diabetes or high blood pressure or elevated cholesterol or mood swings, or insomnia, or gastric reflux. But let's not worry about the gastric reflux and eating the pizzas and the barbecued ribs. Let's instead take the purple pill. And let's not eat our kale and seaweed and sesame seeds so we mineralize our bones or take a good supplement with vitamin D3 and vitamin K2 and boron and phytonutrients and calcium and magnesium and phosphorus and manganese. No, let's take Sally Field's advice. After all, she was a flying nun and hung out with Burt Reynolds. How bad could her advice be? Let's not deal with how many aspirin we have to take. To remove the pain of sitting on a tack, let's just get off the tack. Well, no, no, no. The nonsteroidal anti is like a leave because we see it on television. This guy takes two leave while everyone else has to take you know six of the other ones. Yeah, but 1. 1.6 million Americans were hospitalized for bleeding and other problems nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories, and 60,000 died from taking Vioxx. And the side effects twice mentioned is death from Celebrex. Hey, how about that? Let's get rid of some of the pain in your elbow. But die is a consequence. That's a trade-off. And let's have an erection. Americans don't have erection. Who knew some, many American men couldn't get an erection? How about having an exciting sex life? No, instead of having a boring sex life, but have an erection that lasts longer than four hours, run up and down the street with a flag on it and call your doctor. <laughs> we are screwed.
1: <laughs> I'm Chris Costello, reporting from Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. So it sounds like you're talking a lot about a lot of this. It boils down to personal responsibility.
2: We have no personal responsibility. That went out. If we were personally responsible, A, we would spend quality time with our children. B, we wouldn't buy what we don't need. C, we would go off the grid as much as possible. Don't buy designer brands. Don't shop in Walmart. Don't shop in Kmart, because then you're shopping at a store that once you worked at a company that made the product that was outsourced to China, so you're actually acknowledging that it's okay for someone else to make a product that you once made that has gainful employment that you don't have, so you can buy something that you can't afford and don't need. Responsibility means that you think before you do something and look at the likely outcome and then choose the outcome that you want and only support that and don't get distracted in the process. And it doesn't have to be a group think. It doesn't have to be a group consensus. A responsible person uses their intuition and does what is right with a light hand and a light touch and a sense of what is the likely outcome to me, my environment. And if you do that then we're not gonna clutter up the oceans or the landfills. We're not gonna make the planet a mess. We're gonna live within our means.
1: One of the great concerns that many parents have right now is just this skyrocketing increase of autism in young children. What do you think is going on with that? The whole vaccine issue, I'd like to share that with our listeners
2: very simple. We trust authority and that is a mistake. We don't challenge that authority to prove to us beyond a reasonable doubt that what they're asking us to put into our bodies or our children's bodies are safe and effective. All that's necessary is for a person to look at the proof is something safe and effective. And what is the proof that it's not safe or effective? So when I looked at vaccines, all vaccines, I could not find any evidence based upon good quality, double-blind controlled studies that there was safety and efficacy in the individual multiple vaccines for any individual given. And the proof was that multiple, multiple times I found that the person getting the disease had been vaccinated. The only way you're going to get polio today in the United States is taking the vaccine. I found kids who have taken all their measles shots as they were supposed to getting measles. And moving cough, the same. So then we were told that, well, take the flu shot and the H1N1, and it will prevent this pandemic. Well, first, it was not a pandemic. Oh, yeah, look at those 200 college kids at George Washington University. Well, all right, we contacted George Washington University, and indeed, over a period of time, about 200 students called a hotline to ask about information or dropped by a dispensary there to ask information. None had their blood checked none were shown to have the h1n1 that's how you propagandize something taking a little tiny piece making into a whole issue there's an old jewish saying a half truth is a full lie so there was no pandemic but as long as you could convince the world there was you could get them to take a vaccine that had never been proven safe or effective and that makes a lot of profit and then to make sure that if anyone's injured or killed they can't sue or hold anyone responsible. You make vaccine manufacturers identify from any legal issue. Now, you don't do it with heart medications or psychiatric medications or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication, but you do it with vaccines. Why? That's the power of profit-making, and that's the power of lobbying. So we have this massive issue, are vaccines safe and effective? The answer is no. There's no proof they're safe and effective, and a lot of proof there is not. Historically, especially those containing thimerosal, which is An ethyl-mercury versus what you get in tuna or fish are in the environment, which is methyl-mercury. But they both act very similar in the body. They are neurodestructive. One part per billion of ethyl-mercury is enough to destroy a neuron. In fact, we proved that in the film Vaccine Nation. In fact, there was a doctor, a scientist, who was the foremost creator of vaccines, inventor of vaccines in American history, Dr. Hellman. Just before he died, he wanted a person he knew in Toronto to film him. And in this kind of mea culpa where he confesses that virtually every single vaccine that he invented could create cancer and were not safe. And he even talked about how when he injected the Sabin vaccine into hamsters, they developed cancer. And he told Sabin about it. And he said Sabin and him went really off the edge on that. They decided just to cover it up. And that's what they did. Well, later we found out that they had covered it up, but nothing happened to him or the company making it. We've been lied to. So the trouble is we don't want to hear we've been lied to. We don't want to know our journalists are biased and they're not going to tell us the truth. We don't want to know that they're not going to jeopardize the advertising they get from pharmaceutical companies, their largest single advertisers on television, radio, magazines, by telling the truth. So the truth's not going to come out in the mainstream. It can't. And then if it comes out anywhere else, it'll simply be denied by official sources. Well, if an official tells you something's not true, it must not be true because it was officially told and that's how we get to where we're at. For example, when they said, well, it's safe for pregnant women, and yet if you were a pregnant woman in the study they did on the safety of the H1N1 vaccine, if you got a temperature at 102 degrees within 72 hours of getting the vaccine, you were excluded from the study. So all the women who got themselves a reaction to the vaccine, a spike in their temperature, were taken out of the study. Well, what's one of the side effects of a bad vaccine? A spike in your temperature. But what if you take everyone who got that out? Well, then you don't have to say that it causes a problem. So anyone who got problems while in the vaccine study were removed. And then they wouldn't allow any woman who had had chemotherapy, who drank, who had any mental problem, who was on any antipsychotic medication, who had any anti-inflammatory medication. Well, that's half of the women in America. So you're excluding them. But when you bring out the vaccine, you're going to allow those women to take the vaccine. That's how bad science has become. Now, as a scientist... And as a professor, and as a Ph.D. in human nutrition and public health science, and as a journalist, I can tell you that there is no media that I trust any longer in the United States to be objective and fair and honest and probing in what they do, especially if what they would do would in any way threaten a major industry or its profits. The reality is most people today are nothing more than an income stream. How do they do it? It's simple. I mean, it's really simple. They will take a normal behavior and they'll suddenly vote that this is the symptom of a brain chemical imbalance. If you speak up to authority, if you speak up to your parents, well, authority defines disorder. But if you don't speak up, shyness disorder. So if you speak up or don't speak up, either way, you're trapped. If you like to keep a clean room, oh, obsessive compulsive disorder. If you don't like going out into a crowded noisy place, social anxiety disorder. So now they have so many disorders that every human being in America can fit nicely into being diagnosed. Once you're diagnosed, then you can be treated, and that's then a profit stream for the pharmaceutical industry, and that's how it works. So the medical paradigm is grossly flawed and broken. Science has been corrupted. The media is compromised. The legislature, well, we all know what all the legislators are at the state level, the federal level. They're all compromised. So the issue is if you want to be healthy and happy in America today, you better get off the grid to get your information.
1: For more interviews with the world's top health and medical experts, go to Michael michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. Right, and you've been bringing these messages to people for a while now, and have you suffered personally repercussions from these big groups, from pharma, from other powerful interests?
2: Oh, yeah, I've been fighting in my entire career. The difference is I just don't take it personally. They'll say things like Gary Nall has a questionable Ph.D. Well, what's questionable about it? It's from Union Institute and University. I got the highest honors in the history of the Institute. Outstanding achievement. It's fully accredited. And some 60 heads of universities and colleges graduated from there with about 20,000 other people in its history. No, but they try to make it seem as if there's something because they have nothing else they can get me on. They went into debates with me, and I ate them alive. I've done over 500 debates, and I've won all 500. So they don't debate me anymore. Whatever the issue is, fluoride, AIDS, whatever the issue is, they stay away. So they try to subterfuge, and it doesn't work. I've been around long enough, written enough books, done enough radio shows, television shows, 26 different specials appeared on PBS, over 600 articles, 93 books, 100 films, and 25,000 broadcasts. So at a certain point, they know that they're not going to be able to discredit me, and I don't distract myself to focusing on them. I focus each day on providing people with positive solutions to the negative problems in life. And sometimes the positive solution is just be aware of what you're doing that is leading you into the problem. If I told people just to stop eating meat of all types and fish, all dairy and wheat, Artificial sweeteners and processed sugars and all fried food and caffeine, soft drinks, just that alone would allow most people to be at least half again as healthy as they are now because it stops all the inflammatory agents. It stops all the stuff from going into their body, and that is important. There's nothing about it that's difficult. Health is easy. Health is simply making the right choices, and we have intuition. That is our spirit that allows us to make the right decisions. I can't tell people to vaccinate or not. What I can do is this. I've done two major feature films. Vaccination is one, and Autism Made in the USA is the other. Now, the film has won our beneficial acceptance into 50 international film festivals, more than any other documentary I'm aware of last year. And in that film, you see three things. A, you see the real horror of what it means to have a child with autism spectrum disorder. B, you see the cover-up. 22 minutes of the film uncover the truth that we've known for a long time that the vaccines are the primary contributing factor to autism spectrum disorder conditions. And then three, and this is really important, we show you kids who are completely normal now. I remember a year ago when I went to film the final get-together, there were about 400 people who came to Chicago. And I got all the children into this gigantic ballroom, and I was filming them. And each and every one was just so articulate. And the last of the people was a 17-year-old who was now going to college, who was completely normal, All these kids have been completely disabled with full-blown autism and had not been able to function. Some hadn't even talked in 10 years, but now they were all normal, totally normal. And when I put the camera on the kid, he looked at me and he says, my message is this. I am so thankful that my parents never gave up on me. And through all those years, when I was in that dark place, they kept believing one of the worst public health crisis in world history. But instead of acknowledging with any humility that we got it wrong, instead, we will say double down, give more vaccines. And now they'll try to have a vaccine for AIDS. They won't, but they'll get you more and more scheduled vaccines. And you look at the people who are on these committees, the FDA and CDC, who say, yes, this year we're going to add this vaccine. These are people with gross conflict of interest more often than not. They're financial whores. These are people who've been paid lectures, honorarium, all kinds of ways to get money, but they're there as a mouthpiece. And today in America, it's very easy to hire academic pedigrees. You want the best academics? Go to Harvard. You can buy any of them or Yale or Princeton. The best and brightest. Let's see. Isn't it the best and brightest that have gotten us in this mess? Yeah, that's the best and brightest. And then we're expecting the best and brightest to get us in this mess to get us out. Yeah. It's just like this. Wear a pink ribbon for breast cancer awareness. Since 1990, the incidence of breast cancer has only been reduced by 1.7%. That's nothing. Nothing. And look at the hundreds of billions of dollars been spent in all the walks and marches and bike rides and jogs and events and dances backed by AstraZeneca, the maker of Tamoxifen and the other chemotherapy agents to get your mammograms. For every woman who is benefited from discovering a tumor because of mammogram, 15 women will be misdiagnosed or overtreated or abused because of it. And again, we don't stop this madness. I'm asking, what are the results of our war on cancer? our war on drugs, our war on poverty. My new film I'm filming now is Poverty Inc. And everywhere I go, I'm finding previously employed people, college graduates, people who lived in homes and had backyards and barbecues. They're now living in tents or they're living on the street or living with a neighbor. They never thought this would happen to them. And I said, when that tsunami came, did you kind of stand there in awe or did you run for the hills? And the answer is they stood and watched because they never thought that the people in power would allow it to happen. And many of them are still living in this delusional state that, although oh, they'll, they'll fix it. No, they won't fix it. The people who cause the problem are not going to be the people who solves it. I figure we got another five years of down and dirty till we finally throw out the Republicans and the Democrats. Bring in the independents who will not be aligned to an ideology in corporate America, but instead aligned to the truth and making decisions. And we don't need reform. The last thing we should do is reform anything. We should transform totally transform everything It doesn't work and we can do that but we can't do it as long as your kids watching all these ads on television to tell them to eat the junk food and then when you go to the supermarket they're screaming for the junk food and then when your kid becomes a diabetic adult diabetes and is morbidly overweight and you take him and the doctor puts him on a high blood pressure medication cholesterol lowering medication and non anti-inflammatory medication your kid is eight years old and no one's saying change the lifestyle
1: it sounds like you are now taking on the whole issue of poverty in this country and looking at that. I am. People aren't really talking about that, are they? I mean, the last media blurb was that it was over.
2: Well, it's over for the people who have nice places to live, plenty of food in their table, and don't have to worry about where their job is. But for everyone else, poverty is a very real issue, and it's getting worse, not better. Another 6 million homes are going to be foreclosed on. There's been 5 million homes already foreclosed on. Four people in an average home, that's 20 million Americans, have lost their homes. Another 24 million Americans are going to lose their homes over the next three or four years. So you're looking at about 45 to 50 million Americans made homeless, and all because of the wrong choices that we as a society made. Everything we're doing is wrong. The first place a person goes is where they know they have some support. They'll go to their families. They'll go to brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, and parents. But at a certain point, that wears itself out. And then a person goes into campers, recreational vehicles, vans, cars. I filmed a guy just a month ago down in Florida who took me to a hospital that he had built for $50 million, and there was this picture when we went in there, and then a gym where they were playing basketball, excuse me, it's not a hospital, but it was a college, and we went out and sat on the curb, and I was photographing the interview out on the curb, and he's homeless today. He had $100 million today, he's homeless. So I'm filming people of all walks of life and all backgrounds who are homeless. You don't see a word about this anywhere, as if it doesn't exist.
1: That's the end of our interview, and I hope you've enjoyed it. For more great health-related interviews, go to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com.
0: That's the end of our interview with Gary Knoll. I hope this has been helpful. And for more wonderful interviews on health and wellness, go to HardToFindSeminars.com.